0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I'm joined by our special guest, Deb Pelzoy. And we are so excited to have Deb on the show for us today because we're going to be talking about workplace bullying. And this is such an important topic. We're going to cover how to spot it and how to heal from it and prevent it. For some background, Deb believes, as I do, that all employees deserve dignity and respect at work for well-being. She helps employees define themselves according to their own values, teach their employers how to get results by focusing on employees' power. Deb has built a base of more than 10,000 workplace anti-bullying legislation supporters The largest by state in the nation. And she's helped hundreds of abused employees understand their abusive situations, discover their self-worth, and learn how to move on from their toxic work cultures. Deb serves on the board of the National Workplace Bullying Coalition, and she hosts the Screw the Hierarchy podcast. Deb, this is such a great topic, and I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Lynn. I'm really grateful to be on here. Yeah, well, this is so important to get get some word out and talk about this. Uh, Before we get started, for any of our listeners who are joining us for the first time, make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please, we would so appreciate it to share the love and give us five stars for a review. All right. So, Deb, let's get right into this um, important topic. How did you become an expert on workplace bullying and what inspired you to follow this path? So I was bullied in 2007, so
1: 14 years ago or so, and um, it was in a higher ed situation. I worked in communications and I had a higher up who actually wasn't my boss, but she was above me and I reported to her on a project and um she did what at the what I didn't know at the time were some of these textbook tactics. Um, she removed responsibilities from me. she undermined me at meetings. um and as these things escalated and I saw that you know these these conversations with her weren't really working to um change her behavior, I then did some also textbook things of going to h r going to a higher up, and realizing that they weren't going to help. Um, after I did that, there was some retaliation involved from her and it, I just, it just really hit me that this is, it's not just a, a bully issue, but it's a culture issue. Um, it's, it happened to be a cultural issue with that specific employer, but I also saw that this bully was targeting only women. So, you know, tapping into our overall culture, um, and the stereotypes that it perpetuates. So, um, at the time, I, you know, my background is in marketing and design. And I said, I don't know anything about legislation at this point, but I'm going to see what I can do to try to build awareness around this. Because, you know, back in 2007, I had no idea what to even call it. It took me a while to to realize that this was a thing and it had a name. Um, so I found a professor in Boston who had drafted some legislation and just really tried to build a base. And in, in doing that, So many people wrote in with their stories over the course of of a decade Um, and a lot of you know some people wanted legal advice and other people wanted to be connected with a therapist but most people just wanted to some guidance on how do I deal with this what's what's worked for people before what hasn't worked for them what what. What am I really dealing with here? Um, and that's how I got into the space and also um around the healing piece. Also, I met so many people who thought that the situation, including myself, this was my personal experience that once I left the toxic work environment, things would kind of go back to normal. But I didn't realize the trauma involved with it, and you know, the steps that that I would need to take personally and that that in my research um, fit into this mold that happens with other targets of of workplace abuse in order to heal, in order to, um, you know, really align with our own values, regardless of what we learned growing up or what the culture teaches us or what our bullies taught us and really get to a place of living our lives intentionally around those values. So. Um, That's how I got started in this space, and I really felt like there was a need for people to not only understand what works for people and what doesn't work for people, but just to connect with each other. Um, I thought a really important piece of the, you know, educating people on this issue is also allowing them to, to connect with other people who really get it, because one of the major um, issues with this is that it's so isolating and that even amongst like well-intended friends and, and family, it's a real struggle for, for targets to feel supported. And, and it isn't sometimes until they're, they're put in a room with other people who've experienced similar things where they feel this huge sense of relief and, and, and realize um you know, that they're not the problem with the abuse that happened to them, that it's, you know, a cultural problem, an employer, a work culture problem and a, a, an, a problem with the worldview of the abuser. And then, you know, which can lead into mobbing um, that, that sets the stage for all of this. And sometimes it's being or more often than not, it's actually being a great worker um, that that poses a threat to somebody else and creates this situation to begin with
0: yeah well that's that's really powerful just to get started and so you know I think that it would really help the audience if you could really define what workplace bullying or workplace abuse is,
1: yeah, so I'm actually going to read um there are there are multiple definitions out there which poses a challenge in this space, but I'm gonna read one that we use in with the National workplace bullying coalition, and this was actually. Um, developed by the president, Jerry Carbo, who's also an employment attorney and a professor. And he defines this as the unwanted, unwelcome abuse of any source of power that has the effect of or intent to intimidate, control, or otherwise strip a target of their right to esteem, growth, dignity, voice, or other human rights in the workplace. And there are other definitions, but most of them revolve around this idea that there's this empower balance at work. And those some of the, those who are in, engaging in abusive behaviors have this um, either aim or impact of humiliating and degrading um, and, and making someone else feel less than. And, and some right. of those tactics um, generally revolve around um, verbal abuse and sabotage. There are interpersonal tactics. They're also more um, structural organizational tactics. Um, Just kind of reading through a list quickly here. Put downs, insults, sarcasm, getting in someone's personal space, sending nasty emails, angry outbursts, abusive phone calls, messages, excessive criticism, hints that somebody should quit without cause, Destructive gossip, offensive jokes, um, making up accusations against an employee. That's a big one. Um, Unfairly denying leave or job training without just cause. Um, Intimidating behavior, physical behavior like finger pointing, shoving, slamming doors, nonverbal gestures. And then and those are more of the personal um, tactics. But on the organizational side. Um, it can be things like, well, this is sort of a little of both, but impossible deadlines, unreasonable workloads, micromanaging, um, really just not allowing somebody to have control over their work, having key areas removed from them without any um, cause, and then replacing those with more uh, menial, trivial tasks, undermining their reputation, um, Purposely giving inconsistent instructions, changing hours or schedules to make things more difficult, deliberately withholding information, blowing off accomplishments, exclusion, taking credit, um, going into personal belongings. And then the last one is a huge tactic that I've seen, which is giving bogus performance reviews. So it's really um, trying to. Um, document things that aren't actually happening, and really writing this narrative against this person because they pose some kind of threat for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's really uh, horrible. And you know, um, you know, I, I I will have to say, you know, I was bullied in the workplace, and I um, mean it was like 25 years ago. And I've also had prior to that, I had a, a situation that. I wouldn't call bullying, but made me very uncomfortable. Um, and, but you know, I, I'm would like to have you tell us a little bit because I know that this affects <laughs> the workers uh, from my own personal experience, but also affects the organization. Um, can you, you know, give us some insight into that? Sure. Um, so a lot of times when this um,
1: situation happens, it just creates low morale especially if it leads to mobbing where the bully um it's it's kind of loosely defined as group um bullying but where the bully um manipulates the narrative and they do that with their higher up but also the the um department and so you have um the target more and more feeling isolated and um feeling like things are unfair and it, it when other people see that, um, unless they're convinced that the target truly is the problem, which happens a lot with mobbing, um, it just really lowers the morale. So productivity goes down, turnover goes up. We see more absenteeism. We see more what's called presenteeism, where people actually physically show up, but they're not really checked yeah. in, just kind of doing the baseline of work. And this costs companies thousands of dollars, Um I'd say millions of dollars. million, <laughs> bill, Probably billions, actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, depending on, on the size of the, the um, business, but the overall economy is taking a huge hit from us not doing anything about this issue. So um, yeah, it, it, it really does some damage to um, businesses when the morale is just lowered. When people don't have um, job control and social support, those are two of the... Um, big things that research shows that employees need to thrive in their jobs, when those yeah. are taken away from them as through abuse. Um, the, the productivity just goes so far down that it's a huge, um, not necessarily short-term loss, although it can be, but long-term the business will take a financial hit from this.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not just uh, it, the long-term Hit for productivity and, and also this, the idea that you're not letting that diversity of thought, you know, come out, that could mm-hmm. be great ideas, um, uh, you know, th- things that could just, uh, prevent something from going really wrong, et cetera. I mean, uh, when you have people feeling in, that they're in a thriving environment, they're going to be more participatory, uh, yeah. far more. And, uh, you know, everybody's, um, it gives them momentum for that company, so the other thing, of course, would be that the organization itself could be put into a situation of risk where they are having a hard time attracting new talent um, because of their workplace environment is so negative. And I mean, you touched on this before. Uh, for me, of course, um, I, my biggest thing is I just avoided, you know, the other person as much as humanly possible, um, And uh, and you're right, like with in my personal situation, even though I complained to uh, my direct boss and um, and this person was not a boss, but they were a peer in in an actually a different department. And I was told that it would be taken care of things and it would get better for like a a few days. Right. Um, But it just continued for months and months and months. And I really got lucky because someone. Um, the bully always did these things when no one was around. You know, mm-hmm. they always sort of made sure. And I got incredibly lucky once because he did his usual rant and rave and slammed things on my desk when I'd been working on something. I was completely unaware they had even approached. You know, so I like jumped six feet <laughs> and um, just uh somebody um, in my area had crawled all the way in back underneath their desk because they had dropped something and it, they were big desks and and so they weren't easy, visible and afterwards that person went with me to HR so that I could file a formal complaint because I'd never actually formed a formal complaint. Um, and uh, so and that was when then uh, action was taken and uh and the behavior stopped after that permanently stopped, so I got really lucky and that's the hardest thing is you don't have somebody to back you up right and so yeah, another thing that you said that was really quite intriguing, and I'm really grateful I've never experienced this, but mobbing um and can you elaborate a little bit more about what mobbing is and how we can recognize it yeah so the the difference
1: really is that um. I mean, in your your situation that that you just described, had the employer not done something about it, which is a very common case, um, the the bully bu- the bully can start chipping away at the narrative and do that so much behind the scenes that by the time we realize anything's happening, our reputation has already been you know battered, really damaged. Yeah, so. Um, So mobbing takes it to this new level where it it's no longer one person or a couple people as the bully. It becomes this group dynamic, um, this kind of David against Goliath dynamic where um, it's either the department that that is convinced that um, you are and are the problem, um, or it's just or it's the employer that um, is retaliating somehow. They're vilifying you. you know, in the name of trying to avoid liability. So, um, or it can be both. The whole goal is often because there's no accountability, um, although we do see this too with illegal discrimination, that once um, someone files some kind of complaint in a toxic work environment, which uh, most in in work environments tend to be, um, they will try to push you out the door just to Avoid the problem. Um, even if they they say in trainings that they support you know healthy workplaces, safe workplaces, um, once people then then take those trainings, assume their their um, their employer aligns with their own values, and then goes to report what happened, um, especially to HR who works for management, um, they will very often find themselves in a much bigger um, abusive situation and the bigger problem with that is once that happens and we we as targets realize the unfairness of that um and then we our our self-esteem is taken a hit um the stress is just taking its toll um we tend to actually become these negative descriptions that the the, um the bully once said we were so we because because you know the, the stress is just so overwhelming so our productivity might go down um our our tolerance for some of these abusive behaviors um might go up we might um our sorry our tolerance might go down and we might tend to really have this their abusive um, behaviors all-consuming we might tend to talk about them a lot during the day with other people and it just you know then they might not want to align with us because they don't want to be the next target. So it really it's it's kind of like bullying on steroids. It just escalates the whole um dynamic and it's it's really hard to detect too until it's kind of taken its course and and suddenly you you realize one day that you're, you're kind of there in a, in a silo and you you didn't realize what had been going on behind the scenes to to chip away at your own reputation and and um, and how people are are joining in on that
0: abuse. Yeah, yeah. Well, it absolutely. Sounds like a nightmare scenario there. Um, oh wow. Um, with you mentioned this, um, that it sounds like some work cultures tend to be. Um, lean more towards bullying or be, I wouldn't want to say supportive of bullying, but at least, um, you know, they, they just, they don't help at all and they could even back be breeding bullying. Is that true? Yeah. So the toxic cultures, um, this is according
1: to an expert. His name is Andrew Foss. He wrote the Bully's trap and he's done some great research on what different cultures look like. And he brings it down to two different types of cultures. One is a dictatorship style culture where um, things are done in secrecy and you you either kind of obey or you don't fit into the culture. So they're looking for obedience and loyalty. um, And you know, if you don't do as they say, they will find a way to push you out, most likely. Um, the other one is what he calls a disjointed culture, which is basically um, just a, a disorganized culture, one where there's not really um, much alignment to the, the vision and the, the mission and the, the values of the organization. Um, oftentimes, this can be because the, those at the top don't even know what what those are they're um whether they're checked out themselves or um for whatever reason there's just this very disorganized culture and um in both situations there can be this mentality of like well if you don't like it here you can go somewhere else there's no interest in um, discussing things and treating employees like human beings and in what you had mentioned earlier that that discussion of different viewpoints to really get at um, get it a good solution. So, you know, in healthy cultures, there is an understanding. Well, there's not just an adherence to that sort of um, listening to to different points of view, but the the higher ups want that. And they they um, know what their vision is. They know what their mission is. They know that we you know, that workers are human beings and that. Um, we deserve conversations and we deserve a voice and, you, you know, the, the job control and social support are important to us. So, um, you know, unfortunately in, in Andrew Foss's research, he found that the majority of workplaces that he studied were toxic and that there was yeah. just this, um, They weren't interested in in really they they may have known that it existed, but when somebody reported it, they viewed that person as treasonous. They didn't actually uh, conduct investigations, certainly not independent investigations. And they just took the the bully or higher ups uh, word at face value and and uh,
0: listen to that narrative to to make decisions moving forward. Yeah. yeah. So in a scenario, I mean, I mean, what you're just describing, how do victims of workplace bullying navigate the problem and make a complaint? So, you know, I know that, um, you know, you know, for me in my situation, um, you know, I was a peer and, um, you know, the first thing I did to sort of cope with it is I, I avoided this other person, you know, as much as possible. And, but I also felt like I had to walk on eggshells around them. And, um, one of the things that you said really made sense to me because I was always really very capable and competent and this guy wasn't. Um, and I think that because of that, that, that could have been an area of friction from his side, especially, um, and I, I've never suffered fools, um, easily, Uh, but when I did go to make a complaint, uh, to my direct supervisor, even though things would get a little better and, um, they, it just, the situation was not improving. Now I didn't have any kind of retaliation. Um, uh, I wouldn't say it was escalating or any kind of mobbing, but it, I, you know, I don't, and I don't know how long that would have gone on, but that was my next, my next step was to complain, um, or to file a, you know, a formal complaint, and, you know, ratchet it up, because I wasn't getting uh, the support I needed. Uh, And in fact, when I did report it to HR, what they did is go back to the, you know, the GM who I reported to, uh, to tell me that I tell him that I was going to be filing a formal complaint. And so then he had talked with me again, and uh, to not file a formal complaint to see if he could give him one last chance to resolve the problem, (laughs) you know? So HR basically went behind my back to, you know, to avoid having to file a complaint. So how, how do victims uh, really navigate this whole situation? It's, it's really tough um, because the data
1: shows that when people go to report a situation, um, whether that's to management to HR or their union if they're in one or even confronting the bully themselves if they um, realize that maybe they haven't been assertive or set boundaries with the bully and then decide, okay, now I'm going to. On all four of those scenarios, the most common outcome was no outcome. Um, So there really isn't, unfortunately, um, a a way that we have to recommend to people to, um, expect anything great out of their employer when this happens. Um, I would say that, you know, every, every situation is a case by case situation. um, but unless someone sees signs that their employer is going to do something about it, I would err on the side that they will not do something about it or they might escalate and retaliate and when that's the case um, the best it, the the best uh, advice i can give to people is that that there's a i always have trouble with articulating this because it's not exactly it, it's a it's a value misalignment but at the same time um, there's a there are there are in my opinion, values that are more um they have uh they're just better than than other values. So um you know if an if an employer is is I guess paying lip service to certain values and then they're not taking action based on those um there's really no evidence to see that they would do something if you were to report Um, you know if they if the opposite is true then that might be a good reason to go to hr or to go to a higher up that dealt you know swiftly and fairly with another situation but more often than not um when there is that value misalignment i recommend to people that they find a situation that is in alignment with their values and that's not to say just leave um if if someone's lucky enough to have some kind of safety net to leave um you know they they might be able to leave sooner. I mean, the, the problem with leaving in general is that we just as a culture don't have the safety nets we need to be able to do that. But if someone can either line up another job, line up a temporary job, um, line something up so that um, they're able to have something to go to in the long term, um, the short term coping mechanisms are generally around detaching, maybe looking at the situation, um, like you're a clinician and you're observing it more than rather than internalizing the behavior, all sorts right. of different coping mechanisms, find, building a support system outside, whether that is family or friends, um, or, um, you know, through other people that have gone through this, like through my work, um, but really, it, it's just not a healthy situation to stay in a toxic work environment long term. So it's really about figuring out, uh, being intentional with your life and figuring out what you do want. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people recommend just laying low until you can remove yourself. And then when you can leave, then speaking up and that can that can speed up the healing process and really taking your voice back Um Making sure that your narrative is known.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, though, of what you're just saying that to me. So it's so disturbing is that um, that it's like, you know, it's all on the employee, the team member to to just cope with or deal with this and leave uh, and find. I mean, and and it and the company itself um, continues to have this cancer. And in fact, the cancer is going to grow because there's nothing being done to eradicate it. Um, and so I guess that's the one part that I'm hearing that is so disturbing. So what is being done um, to help? I mean, this is it sounds like just such a chronic issue to address workplace bullying, um, you know, organizations such as the, the National Coalition that you're a part of management uh, and workers and where Where what can we do? To uh turn things around,
1: yeah, I mean one of the the biggest the first thing is awareness, I mean workplace bullying or workplace abuse. Uh, we're trying to kind of fine tune the the word that we're using here. um it's just not a household term people it happens to people, and they don't really know that it's a thing um, and so you know, you know, maybe even months or years going into it, and so I think when we recognize. First, that we're in a toxic work culture. I think that's when um, I think that's a big piece of this. And then also, um, just you know, unfortunately, as we've seen with the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, that it takes an army, this groundswell of people, to have even a small amount of change, because you know the the people in power write the rules to keep themselves in power. So it's you know when we look at the history of of anti-discrimination law, sexual harassment law, we really just see this slow movement and this pushback from legislators and the courts and the the culture in general. Um, But we are, as as part of the National Workplace Bullying Coalition, doing a lot on that education piece of it, as well as introducing legislation state by state, because we've seen historically that that is more effective than a, a federal or leads to a federal push, I should say. Um, It's called the Dignity at Work Act. And what it would do is give individuals legal recourse for abusive situations. Um, And also, which I think I think is a really powerful piece of this is strengthen anti-discrimination law, because right now it didn't start out this way. But in in the 80s and 90s, um, anti-discrimination law moved from a focus on impact to intent. And it really made it Um, ineffective at disrupting the the social hierarchies at work, which which workplace bullying overlaps with um, stereotyping so much. So there's this huge interplay between workplace bullying and, and general mistreatment and Actual discrimination because there is a huge discriminatory impact with this. So the more noise we can make around the Dignity at Work Act, the better. Um, we're trying. It's it's been introduced in Massachusetts as well as Rhode Island, and we have about 12 other state teams working to hopefully introduce it in in 2022. Um, but to just really have enough of a like a groundswell to say that this is not okay. This is perpetuating um, this this toxic culture in general that, that keeps people where they are along the social hierarchy. And there's um, with, without accountability from the government coming into these employers and and um, giving individuals some kind of legal recourse, nothing's going to change. Um, at the same time, we know that that legal piece can um, result in re-trauma for people, especially people who've done it on the Illegal discrimination side, so we really see this as a preventative tool, as something that that will help move the needle in in our um, in getting rid of some of those stereotypes, um, so that we can have a more diverse and fair and equal culture, and so that um, yeah. certain groups don't have to bear the discriminatory impact of, of just general mistreatment.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we definitely want to. Uh call your legislator about that and uh, get that uh, ball rolling and whatever, wherever you are. Um, Deb, thank you so much for sharing how we can combat workplace bullying and shedding so much light on this very important topic. I'm I'm absolutely sure that our listeners are going to want to know more about how and where they can find you.
1: Yeah. So um, my my work is at dignitytogether.org. Um, I have in, information about, um, online courses that are over zoom that are group courses, free peer support groups that are weekly that are, um, also over zoom and, and other, uh, offers to help people, um, cope with this, to navigate it and to heal with it. And then also at redefine which is more of the, the in-person um, event, the summit and retreat arm of it. In fact, we have a, a, a retreat coming up on um, November 12th through the 14th in Rye, New York, like sort of an immersive. Um, we just, we just actually held a, a summit. So this is a, like a three day, three days of this, but a smaller group of people. So we're just really connect on this issue and for people to really feel seen and heard with what they're going through, which is such a huge piece of, of the healing. So yeah, so dignitytogether.org and redefineourselves.com.
0: All right. And we'll make sure to include those along with all your uh, social uh, on our black links or in the post below so that everyone can just a finger click away and you can have that. And uh, this has been such an informative discussion. Deb, thank you so much. For everyone who tuned in today, thank you. Thank you for being here. If you have ideas that you would like to share, um, you can leave us a comment down below in this comment section. We do love hearing your thoughts. We also want to hear from you on topics or ideas that you would like us to consider for our show. You can email us at join the conversation at petitequeen.com. And of course, to stay up to date on all of our amazing resources, uh, these tremendous episodes that we have, and everything else that we have at Petite Queen, you can sign up for our weekly Wisdoms newsletter. And I want to thank everyone again who tuned in and listened today. And Deb, thank you so much. This has been really uh, an important, important, I think, I don't know how many times I can say that, uh, vital discussion that we had today.
1: Thank you, Lynn. I really appreciate you being here and, and having me on here.
0: All right.